Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. So tonight, I want to, what's really cool about my message tonight is that we kind of already practiced it. <laughs> As a worship leader, um, how do I say this? As a worship leader, I feel like there is so much more available to our congregation than what we have experienced so far. And Laura, I think of your word all the time since you released it a couple weeks ago. For those of you who don't know, Laura had a, had a vision, it was a vision, right? Where we, were, we had a, a knitting needle and we were poking at, it was a balloon or a bubble in the ceiling. We were just poking. And one day, if we poke, keep poking, keep knocking, that balloon, that ceiling, whatever that is, that threshold is going to burst, and the fullness of God, I believe, that we have available to us is going to just flood in. And I think that we have so much more um, available to us in the realm of what we've experienced so far as a church. We're nine months in, um, and, and I, just, I just feel as a worship leader that, there is, that we are able to go somewhere so much deeper than we've gone. And I don't mean that at all as a diss to you or to anybody here. I just, I just want, this is more of an exhortation, more of an encouragement. Let's go somewhere together. Let's go deeper. Like, let's expand the horizons of our expressions of our worship. I grew up in a very conservative church. Uh, my dad is a Lutheran pastor. I grew up Lutheran, super conservative. We stood when we were told to stand. We sat when we were told to sit. We sang when we were told to sing. And we prayed when we were told to pray. And most of the prayers were written down for us. <laughs> and so like that, that was church growing up. So I, I understand the conservative um, expression of worship. But I think there's so much more um, as a body, as a family. And I just, I just feel like Let's have a family meeting tonight. Is that cool? Like, let's just get real and raw and personal. And, and I'm not even, I'm not even going to rebuke. I just feel like let's just, let's just be honest with ourselves and where we are and, and determine to go further and to go deeper in God. Can we do that? Good. When I think of what's available to us, immediately when I was preparing this message for tonight, I thought of um, Exodus 24. In Exodus 24, I'm going to read it, verse 9 through 11. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. And they saw, they saw, they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. Moses and his three pals and the 70 elders in Israel climbed a mountain and had dinner with God. <laughs> like, we have no clue what we have available to us in the realm of worship. Moses and his three pals and the 70, 70 74 people together. It wasn't just like Moses was alone in his prayer closet and he had this beautiful, like, the Holy Spirit came on. And that's beautiful too. Like, I don't want to discount that. But like, this was 74 people in a corporate, actual, physical, face-to-face, -face, feeling, touching, all senses intact, encounter with the living God. And they had dinner with him. They ate and they drank with him. <laughs> like, what do we have available to us? What is this life that we're, like, what what are we missing out on that we haven't tapped into? 
Um, sometimes it feels like, honestly, to me, this is for me, sometimes it feels like the worship team is performing and the congregation spectates. Whew. Sorry, I don't... It feels like sometimes y'all are spectating, and I, I can't judge what's going on in your heart, but this is, this is a family meeting, okay? It's like we're attending a concert, and to be honest, I'm not that good for you to come and pay to see a Matt Gilman concert. Like, <laughs> like, I just feel like sometimes we're in a concert mentality, and as a worship leader, the last thing I want to do is perform for you. The last thing as a worship team we want to do for you is to perform for you. That's not our job. Our job is not to come and entertain you. And your job is not to show up and be entertained. <laughs> we have so much more available to us. We're not here to put on a show. The job of the worship team is to create a context for you to express yourself freely before God. Part of me, there's part of me about the whole concept of church in general. I don't like the idea of the stage in the front of the room because a stage implies a attitude. Does that make sense? A stage implies like, hey, we're here, like we're a little bit higher, we're on a, you know, we're on a pedestal a little bit, and we're going to sing for you, and we're going to play our instruments for you, and it's going to be awesome. I hope you like it. I don't care if you like it. I just want to go before God, and I want to I encounter him. Please don't look at me <laughs> in worship. Please don't look at me, because it's not about me. My job, my job is not to make you look at me. My job is to point you to Jesus as a worship leader. That's my job. Revelation 4. I think I quote Revelation 4 in almost every message that I've ever done, but I'm not sorry, <laughs> because Revelation 4 gives such this, this beautiful, vivid description of what worship looks like around the throne, and it's, it describes what God looks like. It describes what's going on around the throne. God, it, it describes him. John is seeing God, the eternal God on an eternal throne, and he doesn't actually even have words in the human language to describe, so all he does is he's like, he's like this. Uh, Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. He's like this. He's like a jasper stone. He's like a diamond. He's like a sardius. He's like a ruby. There's something around him. It's so beautiful. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like an emerald rainbow. And there's this thunderstorm around the throne. And there's lightnings and there's thunders and there's voices. And there's these 24 elders and they're clothed in beautiful white robes. They have these beautiful golden crowns on their heads. And they're throwing their crowns before the throne. And there's these weird looking seraphs him, covered with eyes all around and within with six wings. One of them looks like a, a lion, one like a cow, one like a man, one like an eagle, and they're standing before this beautiful God, and this is what they sing. Holy. I don't think it's, I don't think they're just kind of going, holy. Holy. What are you doing after? You guys want to, Holy. You want to go to Kobe's afterward and get some holy? This is good. This is a good song. Holy. You guys want to go to the pool afterward? It's summertime. It's hot. You want to... holy? They are completely, utterly fascinated. And they have been there for thousands and perhaps billions of years. Who knows when they were created? But from the moment they were created, they were standing in his presence. And I don't think there's an electric shock collar on their neck that keeps them there. I believe they're in the presence of God because there is something so addicting, so profoundly addicting about his presence that all they can think to do with their lives is just to stand there and gaze on him and go, Holy! 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 
doing it for a billion years is that they're just gazing on one aspect of who he is and they completely self-destruct and they fall down before him. And after the billion years is up, they, they stand up. They compose themselves and they look again. Oh, holy, holy for a billion years over and over and over and over again. And they never get bored. They never get tired. They never grow weary. There is nothing more worth their time than to stand in the presence of God, to behold him and to worship it's what you were made for. It's what we were created for. And so when you come in here, it's not like, yeah, we, get, we sometimes we don't see him. Sometimes we don't feel him. We have to look with eyes of faith sometimes. That's okay. That same God who's sitting on that throne right now, the spirit of that same God lives in you. And it says it for real. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in your midst. God, that same God who dwells on the throne, his presence is with us tonight. How dare we not respond? Or how dare we give a passive response? Holy. I'm bored. This song, I've heard this song a thousand times. I'm bored. <sighs> Holy. How dare we? <laughs> how dare we not dance? How dare we not shout? How dare we not give everything we have to this God who gave us everything? How dare we? Whew. I feel feisty tonight. Ugh. So what are, what are some of the reasons that we feel held back in worship? I mean, as I was sitting upstairs preparing my message this week, um, I thought of a few. And there may be more. Some of you might be experiencing something else. Um, but some people would say, how can I worship a God I can't see? It was easy for Moses because Moses had the encounter. Moses was the one. He said, show me your glory. And God said, well, you can't see my face, but I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to let my goodness pass over you. And I'm going to bring you up to have dinner with me on a mountain. Like, that's easy to worship that because, oh, hello, like, that's outrageous. <laughs> But the disciples saw Jesus. This blows my mind, you guys. The disciples saw Jesus. They worshiped him in his presence every day for three and a half years. They saw him. They touched him. They beheld him. They watched the miracles. They helped him perform the miracles. And it, at the end of his ministry, Jesus goes to his disciples. He goes, nevertheless, John 16, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit, and he's going to come and dwell inside of you. Like, we had 2,000 years of Christian lingo, so we're comfortable with that phrase. But what must have that felt like to hear someone say that to you? I'm going to, Pastor George, I'm going to go away for a little bit, but don't worry. I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to live in you. That's weird, right? <laughs> That's weird, right? Like, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's not the first time Jesus said weird stuff, like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What's that all about? Like, what the, the whole concept of communion was so offensive. That's why so many people left him. 
And Jesus, as, after he said, drink my, drink my blood and eat my flesh, he turned to Peter. He goes, Peter, are you going to leave me too? And Peter goes, I don't, like, I can't, but that's weird, bro. Like, what you just told me was so weird. I'm not going to eat you and drink your blood. That's so weird. But here's the thing. When you talk to me, my heart burns. When you talk to me, something comes alive in me that I can't explain. Where else would I go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Where else could I possibly go? We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God actually dwelling inside of us. Corey Russell, I say this all the time. He always, he quotes this. He goes, do you have a billion dollars? You have a billion dollar ATM living in your belly and you have access to live off of a billion dollars a day, but so many of us are content to live off of 10 cents. You're missing out. We're missing out. I'm missing out. What are we not tapping into that's available to us? We have God inside of us. God. Some of you might say, well, hey, I'm, I'm a little too self-conscious. What if the person next to me thinks I'm weird? Dude, you're weird. It's okay. <laughs> Be weird. You're weird, babe. Am I weird? Her eyes just got so big. I'm, I'm weird, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. Sometimes, yeah, I get it. I'm, I can't dance. <laughs> I can't dance to save my life. She'll testify to that. I can't dance to save my life, but who cares? Like, it's God, and all he wants is us to just give him everything. Like, who cares? And so um, we all carry different expressions of his nature, and just because it's different than somebody else doesn't necessarily mean that you're a weirdo. You're kind of a weirdo. We're all weirdos. But, like, how boring would life be if we all fit into the mold of what we wanted everyone else around us to think about us? How boring would that be? Get over yourself. <laughs> Get over yourself and just do it. And let's talk about weird worship in the Bible. King David, bringing the ark back into the, the, the ark of his presence, back into the city of David. He worshiped pretty much naked in his whitey tidies, tidy whities, however you say it. It says, then David, 2 Samuel chapter 6, then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod, his whitey tidies. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Jump down to verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. And mocking him, she said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to her, he said, it was before the Lord. <laughs> I was before the Lord. And this is like total mic drop David right here. I was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his household to appoint me ruler of Israel. So back up, girl. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than I was before. <laughs> like, you go, David. Like, <laughs> just, guess what? I was before God. I'm the king. I'm going to do what I do. I know who he is. I spent my whole childhood on a hillside watching over sheep, playing a harp, looking up at the skies, and God spoke to me every night of my youth, told me who I was, told me who he was. I know who he is. I'm going to waste my life dancing. Not to say that David didn't have issues. We all know David had issues. We all have issues. 
I'm going to waste my life dancing. I'm not condoning getting naked in the church and dancing, so please don't. <laughs> please don't. I won't. <laughs> uh, but David saw that fitting. He was carrying the presence of God into his city. How dare he not? <laughs> How dare he not do that? Give everything. Right? Some of you say, ah, I had a bad day, I had a bad week. I don't really feel, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like worshiping. I want to tell you something tonight. The worth of Jesus is never changed or hingent upon your emotions at any given time. Just because you don't feel it does not mean that he doesn't feel it. I spent... 15 years in a house of prayer where I, was, I led either four sets a week or six sets a week for two hours at a time, sometimes more than that if I was subbing for other people, I can't tell you how many hours I sat in the prayer room and I did not feel it. <laughs> that's just part, that's part of the human experience. We're not always going to have our emotions intact and be all in the glory realm and just roses and unicorns everywhere. Like, it's not going to happen. That's not... That's not realistic to think that that's going to happen. But the worth of Jesus is not dependent on how you feel. He's always faithful. He's always worthy. No matter what you're experiencing, no matter what trial you're going through, God is still on his throne and he's still faithful to you. He still saved you from hell. <laughs> he still bought you with a price. He still shed his blood for you. Whether you feel like he did that day or not, he did. I love Psalm 22. It's a, it's a dark psalm that David wrote. He goes, God, you're crushing all my bones. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he goes on this rant about how he just doesn't feel God. But then he reminds himself. He goes, but I will remember your faithfulness. I will remember your goodness to me, whether I feel it or not, because you did it for my fathers and my father's fathers. You were faithful to them. You led them out of the wilderness. You were faithful to lead them with a, uh, a cloud by day and a fire by night. I know, because just even if I don't feel you now, I know you're faithful. David, in Psalm 27... I love Psalm 27. It's one of my favorite chapters. We all know the, I, I spoke on this last time, actually. We all know the one thing I desire of the Lord that will I seek, that I would behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But what we, sometimes we fail to realize the context in which that was written. <laughs> David wrote Psalm 27 in context of hiding in caves from the armies of Saul, hiding for his life because they were after him to kill him. So though an army may encamp around me, though the wicked come after me to eat up my flesh, in you I'm going to be confident. Because you're my defender, you're my provider, you're my protector, you're my refuge. And he says this in Psalm 27, 6, and because you're faithful to me, in the midst of what he was experiencing, an army coming after him to kill him, he says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Sacrifices of joy. Do you know what that means? Do you know what a sacrifice means? A sacrifice is something that's really hard to give. 
It's something that means something to you. And I'm sure David did not feel like worshiping in the caves as he was hiding for his life. But he said, because I know you're faithful, even though I don't feel it right now, even though my emotions are telling me to run and to be mad at you, and I even think of, of Job when he lost his family, he lost his house, he lost his kids, he lost his wife, and everyone around him was saying, curse God and die. He said, no, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But in, at the end of the day, blessed be his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know who I serve. I know who I serve. And David said it in the same way. I will offer a sacrifice of joy. A sacrifice of joy. I don't care if you feel it or not. <laughs> Do it. Do it. You remember that Shia LaBeouf video? Do it. Just do it. You heard that? Maybe you haven't seen that. If you're listening online, just look it up. <laughs> Hebrews 13. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips, our words, our song. Whether you feel it or not, give him the sacrifice. Give him the sacrifice. He'll send fire on your sacrifice. He'll send fire on your sacrifice. So... The argument of, I can't see God, doesn't really hold up. I'm self-conscious. People might think I'm weird. You are weird. That's okay. <laughs> so that argument doesn't work. Had a bad day. I don't feel like it. That's just lame. So get over it. <laughs> God's still faithful. So worship him in the midst of it. So your arguments have no clout. Maybe you have a couple more. We're not going to go into all of that right now. But how then do we worship? I remember that book, How Now Shall We Live? <laughs> how now, knowing all of this, how now, knowing God on his throne, how beautiful and glorious he is and the faithfulness and the mercy of who he is, how then do we worship? I mean, I say worship like you're actually saved from hell and eternal judgment. <laughs> I come into a worship session going, I deserved hell. At the end of the day, I was sinful and far off, and I was your enemy. But you purchased my pardon. You made a way for me to come close to you. You shed your blood for me when I hated you. When people despised and rejected him, he prayed for them. He interceded for them. As they were, as they were putting that crown of thorns on his head and nailing his hands and feet to that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. <laughs> he had every right to say, Father, judge them. Call down fire on them and burn them. Like, he interceded for their souls. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's a simple thing. The salvation that we have is simple, but it's so profound. So many times we, we fail to remember the benefits of what we have available to us in salvation. So many people get saved, and then it's just like, now what? <laughs> we get saved, we lay our burdens at the cross, and we pray the prayer, and Jesus saved our souls. Hallelujah. Now what? I want to say salvation is just a doorway into <laughs> the rest of eternity for you unseen, unthinkable, absolutely beautiful presence of God is available to you right now, right here, by the escort of the Holy Spirit. Let's actually worship like we're saved from eternal judgment and hell. 
and actually like we have eternal access to God. Like that's crazy. I think of Mark 14, um, verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at a table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why is this fragrant oil wasted? It might have been sold for more than 300 denarii. 300 denarii was equivalent to about a whole year's wage for that person. So imagine yourself working for an entire year. All of the money you make for an entire year, you, you buy this one really special thing. And then Jesus shows up and she breaks it and she pours it on his head. And she anoints him with that thing that was so valuable. And, and Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. Because they were saying, why don't we just sell this and give it to the poor? He goes, you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. As surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. God set up a memorial to her for that one extravagant act of worship. She gave him everything she had. And how dare she not? <laughs> how dare we not give him everything we have? His presence is here. The very same presence that was residing on the ark that David danced before in his underwear <laughs> is here. That same God that Moses had dinner with on the mountain with 70 of his elders, that same spirit is here. And not only here, but inside of you. It's a miracle that you don't just explode right now. <laughs> the fullness of the living, eternal, alpha, omega, beginning and end, God lives inside of you. And his presence is with you now. Oh, it's better that he went away to send us the helper. It's better that we have his spirit living inside of us because now, by the escort of the Holy Spirit, we can come before his throne, the throne of grace, Hebrews 10, come before with confidence, with boldness, not with timidity or shyness. We come before the throne knowing that we're sons and daughters of the living God and that he actually wants us with him where he is. We worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, Psalm 29. There's nothing passive there's no right response that we can give God in passivity. Again, the elders aren't just standing before the throne going, here. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about this. <laughs> the elders cast their crowns with all of their might. The authority that God placed on them, they, give, they throw it, they thrust it back to him as if to give every single ounce of who they are back to him. And how dare they not? <sighs> I just want to call us higher. I want to call us higher. I want to call us deeper. There's so much more available to us. I want to keep poking and prodding at that threshold, that firmament, whatever it is above us, until it breaks. Because once it breaks, ooh, 
I mean, I don't even know. Jesus, like, he goes, these things you will do in even greater works. What is greater works than raising the dead? Like, <laughs> what does that even look like? But I think it's available to us if we just keep going for it, keep pressing for it. Are you with me? Are you with me? And I don't mean this as a rebuke. I don't mean this as a, as a harsh statement to us. It's an, it's an encouragement to go deeper in his presence because we have so much available. There's so much more, so much more. And I think if, God, if Jesus was standing right in front of you, how would you worship him? Did you know there's a day that you're going to stand before God on that sea of glass that's described in Revelation chapter 4? And right now, like I said, we, we, we see through a mirror dimly. We look at him through eyes of faith right now. But there's a day coming when you will stand before him face to face and worship him. And you will watch him receive your worship. Worship him like he's right in front of you. Because he is. He's here. He's receiving it right now. Just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not receiving it. Isn't that amazing? We're going to watch Jesus receive our song. I can't wait for that. That, like, blows my mind. I can't wait for that. But I just, want, I just wanted to give you an invitation to be free, to be extravagant, to give everything. Because how dare you not give everything to a God who gave you everything, who saved you from eternal damnation and condemnation in hell forever. He saved you from that, from eternal torment and torture not only saved you from that, but invited you into eternal pleasure. Let's just close our eyes for a minute. God, I ask for a spirit of freedom to rest on this house. God, we believe that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. God, I ask that this would be a house of encounter. God, that we would worship not from a place of obligation, not from a place of moral duty, God, but that we would actually worship from a place of real life, real raw encounter with the living God. God, I ask for those Moses and the 70 elders encounters on the mountaintop on the Sapphire Sea. God, I ask for those Revelation 4 encounters that John had. I ask for those Isaiah 6 and Daniel 9 and Ezekiel 1 encounters, God, that we would actually see. You said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God, we say tonight, purge us so that we're clean. Wash us so that we're whiter than snow, because blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God, I don't believe that's a promise just for eternity. I believe we have access to see you now. I believe that you gave us eyes to behold you. I believe that you gave us our senses to feel you, to touch you, to smell you, to be in your presence and to experience the fullness of who you are. God, in worship, God, I ask that you would give us grace, put grace on our hearts to worship you with all of our energy, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. God, with everything that we have, how dare we not give you everything? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. 
interested in hearing more, check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.